and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on Saturday's goalless draw at Capelo, Rhys Haldane. Rhys, how are you? I am very well, thanks Matt. Uh, just wasn't really a good game at the weekend and, and that's putting it politely, but as always I'm looking forward to discussing things. Heather Holloway's here. Heather, how are you? Great, thank you Matt and glad to be back on Glad to be still talking about Chris Doolan's undefeated run and uh, just a shame it wasn't a great game. And rounding off our panel this week is David Forrest. David, are you well? Yes, if I can get my mute button to work. Yes, I am doing very well. It was it was a good day out up until about five to three and then after about five o'clock. It was, I think fun was had by all. Matt, you and Johnny had a couple of sherbets um, yourself, and uh, it was a it was a good wee day out, um, apart from the football. Well, we we just mentioned before we started that we might have to pad this out, David. So I might be well behind the the times, but do you, do you want to give us a word on what you were drinking on the train on on Saturday? I was fascinated by it. I've never seen this before. Um, Nigerian Guinness. The, the real heads will know. Um, it's seven point five percent brewed in Lagos. Um, I think they sell it in Morrison's now. Um, class. I mean, they do. I think you described it as like really well fired bread. Um, That's what it tastes Yeah, yeah uh, but it's great. But yeah, you can have a bit too. After that, yeah, it's you know home time because you're just absolutely ruined by it. But agrees. Uh, Although to be fair, you were you and Johnny were tanning a bottle of Buckfast. Um, so you know, we we all allegedly. had our, allegedly um, not in the train, definitely not. No, uh, not in a, in a nice wee, a night in a nice wee cafe. Anyway. We'll move on um, to the, the start 11. We will sadly have to discuss this game. It was an unchanged start 11 from last week's win over Wraith, which meant David Mitchell kept his place in goals, which I think was the big decision to make. And Kevin Holt remained on the bench at the start of the game. He came on later on. But Reese, when you saw the team on, on Saturday, what did you think of it? No real surprises, to be honest. It's it's what I expected. As you mentioned, the only call was whether it was going to be Mitchell keeping his place or if Snedden came in. I think the majority of us probably would have just stuck Snedden back in, but it's harsh to drop Mitchell after the back. Yeah, a really good performance. So, fair enough. He got given another opportunity and ended up keeping another clean sheet. So, no complaints from myself for the starting 11. Heather, were you happy with it on Saturday? Yeah, much the same to Reese. I think um, we'd spoken about how well we played the week before and with the fact that we had you know, no injuries and a full squad to choose from. I think it was also great just to see how full the bench was, to see Anton Dowds back in after obviously him getting injured in Dylan's first game. And um, yeah, I was really looking forward to quite an open game. We talked about that on the podcast last week. I mean, it's a shame that I guess the two teams kind of cancelled each other out and we didn't quite create much, but, you know, stepping foot in Capolo was quite looking forward to seeing what we'd be able to do. David, what did you make of the... The game, obviously, we're going to have to talk about it at some point. So, <laughs> what were the what were the highlights for you? Who were the who were the standout performers on on a Thistle jersey? Um, I really, I really don't know. Um, I I mean, the game was this is a this is it's drawers or draw bingo at this point. But the game was atrocious and one of the worst games I've seen in a long, long time. I think we said this about eight times this season, but there was there was just nothing in it. And um, I, I made the joke that they were getting in in the match of the day boycott by having no goals or highlights in the game. Um, but 
I, 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 I enjoyed Graham winding up Morton and kind of just making himself a general nuisance, but in terms of actual chances, he didn't really have that much. And it's weird because I don't think we were incredibly bad. I don't think we were slipping up and just, you know, making lots of schoolboy errors and stuff like that. But I don't think we were, we were good at all either. We didn't really do anything. And the, the thing was, is that, that Morton were the same. Morton didn't really offer anything. It got a bit lively when the, the sort of the aggro started with Graham and Tiffany squaring up to Dougie Emery and stuff like that, which was an incredible moment. But that was literally the highlight of the game. In terms of the performance and what we did, obviously it's kind of hampered by the fact that we lost two centre-backs. It's going to throw your game plan into complete disarray. But in all fairness, we did keep a clean sheet with two centre-backs injured. You know, defensively we were... Okay, it's just I, it's, I don't think anyone's going to remember anything about this game outside of maybe Tiffany screwing up to Emery in six months a year. No one's going to remember this at all. Uh, we'll talk about the the centre back situation in a minute, but I thought that when you go to Capital, you're looking for good performances from your centre halves, and I think it's a really difficult game to be subbed into in the in the first half especially. But I thought Holt and Brownlee were both excellent. They dealt with everything in the air, so. For me, they were probably the standouts. I thought Barringer and Dockett were good at sort of shielding the back four as well. It probably wasn't their day on the ball. I don't think they were great. I don't think anyone was really great on the ball. But you look at, um, I'd say, Holt and Brownlee for me were the standouts. Reese, would you agree with that? Uh, either. It, it really wasn't a, a great game. So to pick a standout, when, when you asked David, I was racking my brain to, to think of a standout myself. And, and I was struggling. But... It was just one of the ones, and, and Heather mentioned off air. She was like, uh, she said, Doherty's got to do better with his chance. And me and you, were, we said to each other, like, I genuinely don't remember that chance. And I obviously, I remember it now, but that's how unmemorable this game was. Like, it's, it was just an absolute nothingness. And from from the minute go, Morton didn't let that game flow at all. Anytime for us, we were on the ball, it was scrappy. I say that as if we were trying to bop it about. It was scrappy from us. and there was a lot of bad passes, misplaced passes and under-hit passes, but every time we did get on the ball, Morton were fouling us and, and the ref just let let things play in the first half. And and you look at the stats at the end, the ref completely lost the place. I think he booked about eight players in the space of about eight minutes and they booked their manager, of course, and they made 24 fouls and received I think it was four bookings. We made nine fouls and received six bookings, so I don't know how that happens, but I can't be bothered more about referees. I feel like we did it enough. Oh no, it was a poor game. wasn't It wasn't many chances for either team. I don't think either keeper really had much of a save to make. Um, but it's one of the ones. It's a point. I, it doesn't really help either team. All the teams around us actually benefit from it more than either of ourselves or Morton. But at the end of the day, it's a point on the road, a hard place to go, and it keeps Dylan's momentum trickling along. For all our centre halves, were I think our best performance. I think Morton will probably say the same about their own side. I don't think they offered anything at all. I don't think their fans will be particularly pleased with the, the week they've had. They've sort of fallen off the pace a little bit. But we've mentioned that your head went off injured in the first half and then McAvoy was stretched off. How concerning is that for the rest of the season, Heather? Do you think we're going to need to, to look into the free agent market for a bit of cover? Do you think we'll get by? I know there's not been much word on the, the severity of the injuries, but how concerning was that on Saturday? Yeah, it's always horrible. I mean, I've recently been watching the highlights and you see what causes 
Muirhead's one, you know, he it's actually a really good intervention that he makes to prevent them going one on one with the keeper. And um, but it just didn't it just didn't look good. You know, you hate seeing one of your players holding holding their thighs so early in the game. And the McAvoy one, it's just horrific watching someone get stretched off. Even more horrific seeing how horrible the Morton fans were about it. But it was nice to see their fans on the other side clapping him as he went off. And just really hope that, that he is OK, um, not just for us, but just, you know, obviously he's now not able to, I'm assuming, not able to play in the Scotland game in a, in a few weeks time that he's been called up for. So that's a real shame. Um, I mean, it was good to see that Kevin Holt was able to play probably more minutes than he was supposed to on Saturday, but good that he was back in. Um, it is worrying, I think. We saw earlier this season or um, that Darren Brownlee maybe isn't able to uh, sustain being able to play first team football all the way through. You know, he still doesn't seem to be quite back to fitness and still a few niggles. I do worry. I mean, obviously, earlier this season, at times we've played McMillan in there and then maybe put someone like Hodgson or Kyle Turner at right back. I don't want that option. I a, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good one. I don't think it helps us and the kind of the race for well, I I dare I say the title, but um that's David speaking. Uh, me saying probably second place is the hope. But um I just don't know if there's some I I, I don't know the market well enough to say there's someone out there. Obviously we let go of Tunji, but I think that was the right decision. And I think we might just you know, do a bit of make do and mend, uh, which is which is hard. And I I don't want to see McMillan in there, but if um, we do have Hodson, that kind of utility player, and I would I'll more likely think we'll do that option than go and you know try someone else. And if it fails, that be you know the worst option. No, I agree with you. I th- I would be sort of reluctant to put McMillan in there because I think a lot of the success we've had this season and we've spoken about it a lot is down to Milne and McMillan at fullback and the, the threat they can cause in, in the final third is and, and pressing high up the pitch as well. I think they're really good at that. And when you move McMillan into the middle, you lose quite a lot of that when Hodgson goes in there. So I think if in an ideal world, we, we would be looking to bring in a third centre-back if Muirhead and McAvoy were out long-term. I just think the, the way the finances are. I don't, I don't imagine much has changed since that statement a month ago when, when Doolan was brought in on the interim basis, when they, they mentioned the finances in the statement. So that's probably what's going to prevent any cover from coming in. So fingers crossed that the injuries on Saturday aren't too long-term. David, do you want to come in? Yeah, I just, I just wanted to add... Um, when um, after the game on Saturday, uh, we were um, I was out in town and I met James Kearney, uh, who was reporting on the game. Uh, he came in afterwards because he was obviously you know doing his reports and stuff like that. Um, and he said that he saw McAvoy afterwards in like a full sort of leg um, leg size moon boot or brace or whatever. Um, I, be, I believe that's what he said, and um, he he was not hopeful. Um, I, I it is very concerning, um, especially, and it might sound a bit silly, but like Fissel tweeting about it, about, about just you know get well soon, was, you know, if it was going to be two weeks, we don't 
we don't get that when Tiffany's out for two or three weeks, if you know what I mean. Like that, that says to me, I don't think we'll see him again, which is a shame because the fans are really taking to him and he's been great. I don't think we see him playing for Thistle again. Reese. Yeah, I was just going to add to that um, exactly what David was saying there. It's, it, is, it was such a shame, shame to see McAvoy go off like that because he has, ever since he's came in, he's been brilliant. He hasn't put a foot wrong. and uh, like You actually forget how young he is. Um, I think he's only just turned 21. And like you look back through the years, like five years ago when, when Aidan Fitzpatrick first broke through into our first team, he was in the same Scotland squad. So like part of me thought like he was one of those guys that had played for Scotland 21s and was like maybe 23 now or something, but he's still young. And so whenever a young player gets an injury where they need to get stretched off and it looks like something to do with their leg, you always you worry about the worst. Like obviously, as David mentioned, it's probably the last time that we might see him at, at Thistle. Um, which would be a shame, but it could it could ultimately affect his career if it's a bad injury. So, uh, fingers crossed, it's nothing too serious. And and here's hoping we do see him back in a Thistle jersey. Yeah, absolutely. And best wishes to arm your head and Conor McAvoy. Do we think that was a good point? Because it, it, it's obviously quite a tough place to go, Capo. Like their home form has been good until this week. They're having a, a good season. We've spoken, last, I mentioned last week on the pod about points totals that might be required to win the league in Murray before the game on Saturday there with nine games left and I thought we'd need seven wins to match Queen's Park. Seven wins and a draw to go by them. So they're not too many tougher games on paper than Morton away. So do we think a draw is a good result or was that was that an opportunity miss with how poor the, the game was on Saturday? Anyone want to come in on that? Yeah, I think it was a an opportunity missed for for both teams. Like I say, it doesn't help either side. Um, and ultimately, we've said so many times already, like our, our title challenge is done. But there are a couple of results and it brings you back in. But you've got to think now that the second's got to be our aim. But you just never say never. But for Morton as well, it, it really doesn't help them. So it, it wasn't a great point for the other side, let's be honest. Heather? Yeah, I, 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 I agree I agree with Reese. I think that um, from going to Capital quite often in the last few years and whatever, we don't often do well there. So I guess if you'd told me beforehand that we're going to draw and get a point, I maybe would have been okay with that. More thinking about it being like a 2-2 or a 3-3. Um, knowing that it was nil-nil and that we would create hardly anything and it would be, you know, just quite a stalemate game, that made it a bit more disappointing. But, I mean, going back to it, like when we've lost these really stupid games against Hamilton and Cove earlier, it's actually maybe maybe it is a maybe it is a good point. Um, it's hard. It's really hard to say. I think also maybe because we performed so well uh, at other games recently, it's just hard to it's hard to take. To be honest, I don't think too much has changed from last week. I know Queens Park have, have stretched their advantage over us to two points. I would still give us like a very slim, like around a ten percent chance of of catching them. I think seven seven wins and eight is is a tough ask. But the way Dylan's got it set up. And I know we've spoken about how big a blow it will be to lose McAvoy. We've still kept four clean sheets in five games, and he's not had a settled centre back partnership. He's all four centre halves have been out at some point or another in the last month under Dylan. So I think it's really down to the, the structure of the team that we've been so so solid. I think Doc, moving Doc, uh, uh, Banzo back with Doc is key. We mentioned that last week. So I think if we can keep that up, we've still got an outside chance. But I, I think second is. Is more realistic, but I, I don't think too much has changed over the weekend because I, I do think that's probably one of our toughest games checked off, and we've we've not lost ground on Morton. Morton haven't gone above us in the league 
at the moment. So I think it was a, an okay result. A very bad football game, though. We will hope for better on Saturday. David, it's looking like it will probably be Holton Brownlee and, and at the back on Saturday. But can you foresee any more changes to the team for the, the home game against Dundee? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just still think, I just still believe that Snedden is deserving of the number one keeper position, and ultimately as a number two keeper that Mitchell has been established as. You know, the, the position is you're there when the number one is not available and when the number one is not available, you, you step aside. And I know sometimes, you know, goalkeepers, you'll take the opportunity and they'll really make a, a mark for themselves. I mean, you, you can really argue that Snedden possibly done it last year with Harry Stone and even this year with Mitchell, where he lay a marker down and made himself number one keeper. I don't think Mitchell has had, he, he had a good, great performance, you know, last week and, you know, didn't really have that much to do and he did keep a, another clean sheet today on Saturday but ultimately I, I, I would like Snedden to come back in just because I think of what he's done this season and to be honest in the last couple of seasons he is our established keeper he is the official keeper and if he is available you should be playing him. Rhys do you agree with David and would you make any more changes if other than the goalkeeper position if you would? Once again, I think that's probably the only one um, that you change, and it, it really just does come down to personal preference. Again, you, I, th- I felt like Snedden had, had worked his way back into the team, and he rightly so earned the number one jersey, and it was his for the rest of the season. He picks up whatever slight injury it was and had to get an injection for it. He's probably back fully fit now, but Mitchell's got a clean sheet and saved a penalty, and then follows it up by another clean sheet. So it's harsh to drop Mitchell, and, and it's, it's a decision for Dylan to make. Um, but only thing that, that would maybe keep me edging towards Snedden is the fact that Mitchell might have some PTSD for that last Dundee game for her where he chucked one in. Um, so maybe I just opt with Snedden for this game. That's, that's a good point about <laughs> Dundee game race as well. Um, no, I think I would Snedden as well. Just I, I think, David, you mentioned about how he's sort of established himself as a first-choice goalkeeper, and I think that's quite an important point. Like Snedden's a, a good number of years younger than Mitchell and I think if you're if you're looking to next season you know like we've probably already tested Snedden's patience to the limit with dropping him for other goalkeepers and <laughs> do we do we risk dropping him again and he might he might just say chuck it in the summer Um, I think you put Snedden back in and he really is the established number one if he keeps the form up that he's shown this season and for most of last season for the foreseeable. Heather what sort of game are you expecting on on Saturday, it's been high scoring against Dundee this season. Two, three, two away wins and a three-one away win. Um, can we be the first team to win this fixture at home this season? I really hope so. Obviously, when we played them at Dens a few weeks ago, they weren't. Oh, I, I hate saying this because I feel like I'm kind of setting us up to win to like sorry to lose four nil. But they weren't that good. They didn't create a lot. We talked about it. We we're quite. Um, shocked actually about the way they played at Dens so I really hope that we can take confidence and courage in from that game that we played that we can go on and and do and do it I think that um, while obviously we've talked about the, the fact that there was very limited chances on Saturday everyone looked hungry and looked at it and I think that a 
playing a team like Dundee suits Kyle Turner, Scott Tiffany and Brian Graham better than playing a team like Morton who just didn't want to play football, were really happy for the point. I thought it was really weird seeing their goalkeeper, you know, slamming himself down in the box with only a few minutes to go. I thought they'd really want to try and get back in amongst the playoff space. But that's I mean, that's just Morton being being a weird and terrible football team. But um I think that like, I think I get the game against Dundee, they'll be out for blood. They'll want to do what they what we did to them at Dens. They'll want, you know, the John Lambie fire exit and um it will be a really tasty game. I think it is a must win though. I mean, I was talking to one of someone at work today who's a, a, a football fan and he said to me, oh, Heather, that's a nine pointer. And I, and I was like, it totally is, you know, because I, I do think this kind of makes or breaks where we are going to be hopefully in the playoff. But I think even then it, it, it shows, are we second or are we fourth material this year? Reese, do you want to kick us off for a prediction? You're still leading the the season's uh, table in the predictions, but nobody picked up points last week. We all went for a Thistle win. So do you want to kick us off for for Saturday? Do you think we'll get the win? Uh, I'm going to say I I think it'll be it'll be a, a good game. Um, I seem to say that every week. It's always going to be a good game, and, and more more often than not, it isn't it. But I do think it will be a good game. Every time we've played them this season, it's been goals galore, there's been drama, there's been incidents, there's been all sorts, and I think it'll be much the same again. I've said so many times this season that the best team we've played has been Queen's Park, and I think that we are a lot better than Dundee from what I've seen this season. Um, and I'm going to back us to get the win again. I'm going to say Dundee are good for a goal, but I think we'll, we'll win 2 1. David? Yeah, I think that. It's a, it is a difficult one because I think there is definitely going to be D- Dundee will want want to have a reaction from the Dens game. I think they will want to show that they're not just going to get turned over again by us. They will be very wary of that, and I think they might shake it up, play a wee bit differently from. Will they better play a bit differently if they want to win from the Dens game because they were atrocious? Um, however. I do think we'll win. I think we were on a good run with Dylan, especially, you know, it's been away games. We've had really lot of really tough away games and we've came through them. Even the Morton 0-0, I mean, yeah, it was an atrocious game of football and one that, frankly, I'll never think about again. But, you know what? We we, we, we didn't lose. <laughs> we kept a clean sheet, you know, and that was, that, we talked about how that was a real litmus test for us. That was a real tough game and, Years gone by, we'd have lost that, and it would just been a horrible, horrible day. But we didn't, and Farhill, front of the fans, and I think we'll win quite comfortably. I'm going to go 3 0, Fissel. Heather, what about you? Um, let's go 5 4, Thistle. 4 4, and then we'll score in the 96th minute, and David will pitch invade. Oh, good grief. Uh, uh, I, I, I absolutely will. Guaranteed. Nailed on. <laughs> Four each. Matt will be pitching beating. You'll be pitching beating, Heather. We all will. It'll just be live from the, the pitch next week's episodes. <laughs> David, imagine um, Ruby pitching beating. That would be it. I shall beat me over the barrier. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to go for a, a comfortable Thistle win as well. And this is always dangerous when we do this. But I think just, just listening to like little bits and bobs what Doolan says, I think he's quite a positive forward-thinking manager. And I think if he maybe recognises we're a bit weak at centre-back, he'll go to score more goals. So I'm going to go 3-1 Thistle. I think Brian Graham's in form. He loves playing against Dundee. Tiffany's in form. I'm going to go 3-1 Thistle. I think we mentioned it after the the drop at our broth. You can really judge draws by the how you sandwich them. Um, so if, if you win your next game, you win the game before a draw. A draw at Kaplos looks all right, and we, we're, we're six unbeaten at that point. I'm going to go 3-1 Thistle. So what could possibly go wrong? Um, we have rattled through football and serious business this week. Does anyone have any other business they want to bring up before we finish off with Patrick Thistle? Hey, I've got something to bring up. I just wanted to congratulate the women's team on their top six finish yesterday. Um, a very, very nervy. I was sitting checking my Twitter updates every 30 seconds about basically the full second half as they were holding on to a one lead. And even though like, Dundee United were down to 10 men, it was... Uh, you know, it, it was a great feat from them and I enjoyed all the content after them all singing to Celine Dion in the changing rooms and like coming out of Asda in a trolley with hundreds of booze and yeah, just it, it just a, a remarkable achievement and thinking of where they came from, like sort of, I remember 2017-18, you know, they were in like, you know, third, fourth tier uh, playing in parks, beating team 16-0 and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, where they've came from there to be top six. I mean, we we, we, we lionise the, the men's top six season so much on this podcast. And for the women to do it, especially with the, the group of people that they have, it's an utterly incredible feat. And um, they should be really proud of it. And, you know, congratulations to Brian Graham as well, obviously, for masterminding um, the, the charge. But, yeah, I, I just an incredible uh, feat. No, absolutely. It's a terrific achievement. Uh, out of that content you mentioned, David, I particularly enjoyed the, the tambourine in the changing room. I thought that was, that was great stuff. I'd uh, love to see more. I'd love to see more instruments and in, uh, in video celebrations, I think, post-match. I think that's, that's, uh, that's a good That's sign. a Partridge Fickle question. Was there not someone um, at a game, was it this season or last season, who had a whistle in their shoe? <laughs> I'm sure there's there's like there's a room in the market there I just want to echo what David said it's just an absolutely incredible achievement and um something to um to really celebrate I think they're going to have a really tough end of season but what it means for them as a club moving forward and potentially people they can sign and what they can do is just absolutely fantastic I mean we remember what it was like for us being tops, like, you know, for Thistle being top six. And it was just absolutely incredible. Um, maybe not the games themselves, but just, just just the overall feeling. So I'm really, really excited for them. I can't wait for the reenactment of the 71 Cup final in the last days. It got beat 12-0 by Glasgow City because they don't have a right back. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Yep. Congratulations to all involved with the, the women's team. That is a fantastic achievement. And we will finish as we always do with Partridge Thistle. And um, yesterday I was alerted to the fact that it was Alan Muir refereeing us on Saturday, despite shouting for Ewan Anderson to start booking Morton players for, for two hours. That's how I spent my Saturday. Um, so I'm going to ask you, when have you mistaken somebody's identity or when has somebody mistaken you for somebody else? And Reese, I'll start with you. Uh, just whenever I think you're mistaken identity, just when you're saying like, 
or you, you fought the ref with somebody else, see the amount of times you're at a game and like the person next to you in the crowd or whatever is like shouting the wrong stuff at a player that's not even on the park and stuff like that, or like they're calling like Mill and Tiffany and stuff. I always remember like the last game before COVID. Uh, and Graham scored that equaliser against Dunfermline and Michael Max is like, what a goal, it's Lewis Mayo. And then and then everyone's like, that boy Chris is like, no, nah, it's, it's Graham. He's like, no, nah, it's, it's, it's Mayo, it's, it's, I don't care who it is. And then the, the boy Chris, you can tell he's just fuming at the end of it. But I, uh, mistaken identity, um, no, really, to be honest. To be fair, I get the Jordan Hill bus and I've, I've got it for years and years, like 10 years or something now. And as I get, as an older boy on it, uh, I don't know his name, so I can't really blame him for, for this because I don't know his name, but every time I see him, he calls me Jack, and he's called me Jack for 10 years, and I'm far too deep in to tell him that my name's no Jack. So if you're <laughs> listening, I'm Jack. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the only time I've eaten. So uh, another bad answer for me, but hey, what can you do? It's all right, we go again next week. And um, Heather, you got a good one this week? Yeah, I, well, I don't know if it's a good one. Um, recently, my... so. I, I've got a brother, an older brother, and he's got two children, um, so my nieces. And when we're at the football, obviously, we are, you know, a female and a male, and there's often two children, and the girls look a little bit like me since my brother and I are related. And uh, recently, I have been a few times, actually, also at the Banzo night, um, mistaken as my brother's wife. And, um, and, I, 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 and I just find that, completely it's such an odd thing to, to try and explain to someone and I just kind of think I'm like oh my goodness can you not look at our foreheads like we clearly are related but um but yeah so I guess that's one and then a football one would be when I was younger we my dad I think I have to I don't know if I've said this before but my dad used to get us to choose our favorite players before the start of the season I think it was part of a junior jag thing you had to like say who your favorite player was so anyway, so like the teams would come out and obviously didn't really have like social media or anything. So you just had like a bunch of names and you had to pick. And I picked Scott Chaplin. I absolutely loved him for, I mean, hadn't even seen him play. And I was like, yeah, Scott Chaplin's my favourite player. And we went to go and watch, I think it was um, Thistle Montrose. And my dad incorrectly identified Scott Chaplin. And it was actually Ryan McStay. And Ryan McStay had an absolutely terrible game. And I remember crying on the way home, thinking that I'd chosen my favourite player and he was really, really bad. And then it turned out the start of the season that it wasn't him. And it was, you know, it was Ryan McStay who'd been terrible and Scott Chaplin was a great, a, a great guy. So, um, so yeah, that was a, so that, I blame my dad for that one. Though, speaking of my dad, I just have to mention him because he got to meet Matt on Saturday and you'd think it was like, I don't know, meeting a celebrity. Um, and then um, it was a it was a real fangirl moment for them both, really. So um, that was very entertaining. I'd just like to apologise for that. I think I called him my enemy. But uh, apologies. Um, <laughs> David? <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> I, I, I just want to say, Heather has done... Heather, our PR team here, um, has done an incredible job of punting the podcast to every living person that's ever met me and Heather at the same time, including to Ray Bradshaw when he was on stage at the stands. Um, but uh, so she, she's doing a tireless effort. She cares far more about this podcast than either I or Matt do. But um, I mean, in terms of mistaken identity, I, I had a real problem when I was, like, I, as we mentioned before, I used to go to the catty. And no one ever called themselves by their name at the caddy. So for I'm not joking, for 15 years, 
I meet people, I'm seemingly quite a, a memorable figure. People people remember me as a person. So they always come up and say hello. And if I meet people and they say hello to me, I, I'm, I always drop everything and say hello, regardless of who you are. And I'm a pain in the arse and nights out because it happens to me quite a lot. But the problem is, is I don't know who anybody's name is, anybody. So I'll routinely meet people from 15 years ago who I'll know their face and I'll remember stuff that we've done together, not a clue who their name is. And I'll just make up a name or spent about 15 years just not remembering anybody's name and it's been terrible. But I remember once um, my friends used to play in a, a punk band called Insufferable and we used to hang about and we obviously hang about in the same scene and stuff like that. And then one day I went to a punk gig and somebody came up to me and says, excuse me, are you insufferable? Right. And um, I, I, of course, um, I, it was too good an opportunity to to pass. Up. Says, my wife tells me that I'm insufferable a lot, but it's, no, I'm not the person that you're thinking of. So, yeah, being asked if I'm insufferable is probably it. But, yeah, if I've met you, I cannot remember your name. Uh, be, I know Matt, I know Jack's name and I know Heather, but, I, I, you know, I don't know anybody else's name. This is on the call, man. That, that's disrespectful. No, that was a joke. Is I know Jack's sorry, name. Sorry, sorry. For God's sorry, sake. That, that, sorry, <laughs> this bit was about 20 minutes ago, David, so sorry for forgetting that. No, sorry. I thought his answer was quite good this week. Um, it was. So no, it was an improvement. Was. Aye. So I was going to say, has Jamie been banned since after his comments last week? Uh, no, yeah, it, I had to serve my one. I swear it's my one week suspension for saying I didn't know how Alan Partridge was. So it's <laughs> so only right Jamie's getting his. Uh, Jamie couldn't make it. He was he was offered the chance to come on, but he had no Patrick Stasso questions either. So um, you'll need to if he's li- if he's listening if he's he's not listening. Who is listening? Um, you'll need to come come up with. He's got another week to come up with some Patrick Stasso questions. Is this like uh, how when players get injured and they're like one yellow away from like a suspension, they'll just take their top off so they get boots <laughs> so they can serve a suspension when they're injured? That's what he's doing here. <laughs> I like to think Jamie is listening. You know, like sometimes players get stuck if they're like spotted. Uh, like out shopping while their team's playing if they're suspended or injured rather than sitting in the stand. I hope Jamie's like in the stand with his with his earphones and listening because um my god we need him. If you have made it this far into the podcast, um congratulations and we will be back next week to, to pre uh, to preview our trip to Inverness and look back on hopefully three points against Dundee on Saturday. And next week there will be a reinstatement of the word limit on Partridge Thistle as well. So thank you for listening and stay safe. Thank you.